This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, a mixed week for results is just one element to a busy seven days in the world of exchanges and market structure. Stay tuned for some key highlights. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 92. The London Stock Exchange shareholder revolt is one big story, but the CMEs managing to be reported as beating expectations while profits are actually in freefall is perhaps more scary still. Yes, even the London Stock Exchange Group managed to eke a 4% profit increase, pushing the Paternoster Square smogometer into unjustified Tesla-like orbit. From Nasdaq to NYSE, profits are soaring. Before we get to Hong Kong Exchange's stellar performance this past week, yet Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group's profits are collapsing at the pace we anticipate for Coinbase's net commissions. Strange times, but some might think management is an issue. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief, in fact, this week, it's an incredibly brief reduction of highlights. It's been a big data week amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Join us and find out what you're missing at the water cooler of markets. David Schwimmer could lose a lot of city friends if the mega merger with Refinitiv encounters any more serious problems. We didn't say that last week. Actually, it was the Sunday Telegraph. That provoked a lot of, well, hashtag lol responses amongst the Exchange Invest readership who've been expecting a denouement on the Refinitiv situation for some time. There's been a singular incapacity by London Stock Exchange Group to sell the merits of the Refinitiv deal beyond those who are de facto craven to their every word. Group CEO, the man we nicknamed out of his depth, Dave, is embattled now and the party has barely even begun. The average Refinitiv staffer is starting their Stockholm Syndrome campaign on the latest owner as I speak. I pity all the poor souls actually making better markets at London Stock Exchange Group. The relentless greed and myopia mixed with institutional incoherence of the G in the LSE G isn't even in the early coming home to roost stage for those pigeons. Frankly, what we've seen so far wouldn't even qualify for the preliminaries of a red herring prospectus of things to come. At the same time, the Telegraph having made their pun on terminal was an escalation. Embattled seemed frankly fairer to ODD. The key question, though, remains, how many weeks did David Craig et al. have in the Refinitiv C-suite? It was hard to justify their presence in the first place during the merger, as indeed now, under pressure, the Paternoster Square C-suite looks to justify, or at least jettison, bodies in a Sovkeeper management panic shakeup. Who will be leaving first? Meanwhile, the problems for DB1 were writ large over their recent acquisition of ISS, a walking conflict of interest, as we noted in Exchange Invest, before the ink was dry on the deal last November. 
Here we are, barely five months later, and that conflict can be seen in absolutely plain sight. ISS, fairly in our opinion, rebuked London Stock Exchange Group for their 25% pay rise to the group CEO David Schwimmer. However, that left the door open to what would be sound advice from an independent entity, looking curiously tainted given the ISS parent is none other than the Deutsche Börse, who are engaged in a titanic struggle across several fronts to gain post-Brexit business at the expense of London Stock Exchange Group. Eventually this week, we had an analyst call and subsequently the AGM of LSEG. It seems the C-suite shambled into a conference room and stuck with their core message for at least an hour. Well, if that continues compared to the previous call, a perception of a management outbreak at group level could yet be upon us. However, that requires the apparently happy story, right now, of Refinitiv remaining on track. Thus, the news was about £40 million, that's $55.5 million, of savings in a combined operating costs from the Refinitiv takeover had yet had been realised, and there were new products and blah 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 blah. Now, call me an old cynic here, but frankly, $55 million on a $27 billion acquisition for a company that we already know is flaccid and outmoded in many angles sounds like, well, they might have lost a few customer enablement executive positions, but in terms of restructuring the black hole of Refinitiv, which sucks with the sort of force that James Dyson can only dream of, let's put it this way. A firm whose restructuring involves the creation of titles like customer enablement executive doesn't strike me as one which is seriously trying to craft a new lean, mean profit machine. Odd must go is a growing theme in my inbox. While odd clings on, as I said before, doubtless the Refinitive C-suite will go first, but frankly from this distance, it's tough to see how anybody is justified in situ. The markets run themselves and run themselves well, but the C-suite has, well, chocolate teapot utility albeit said chocolate teapot, at least has a value in its component parts. To which end these shareholders were revolting this week at the LSEG AGM, there were of course the usual North Korean style endorsements. However, notably Jacques Egra and Cressida Hogg had contrablips in the directorial endorsement vote, 6.96 and 5.48% respectively. Chairman Don Roberts got a refinitive definitive, Trouble at mill, looming 7.13% thumbs down. Most spectacularly, 23.52% of the shareholders voted against the odd one's egregious CEO pay rise. The LSEG offered the usual hollow-worded non-pology with shareholders to be talked at and management taking the lessons on board, blah blah blah, times 10 to the power of infinity, aka a message that, given LSEG's ongoing comms crisis, amounts to the CE suite will continue trousering everything we can until the game really is up. As to the compelling rationale behind the original refinitive entity, the corporate messaging of LSEG still collapses post a blithe, um, you know, big data, the future, electronic things, exciting, wavy, binary numbers, mean cash, I mean, can... Can I get some help from one of those customer enablement executives? My Nokia isn't talking to my BlackBerry. EI awaits the next quarter of the LSEG saga, with the feeling it might be possible to do the duct tape tango for some months to come, but the truth is out there. Beyond the great market components, apart from the ones already foolishly sold off, 
management are now well on their way to going native in a refinitive fashion. That amounts to a less cinematic version of controlled takeover by other parts, akin to, well, John Hurt's spectacular dinner party demise in the movie Alien. Meanwhile, for the annals of history, CFO Mance noted, we are exactly where we expected to be at the end of the first quarter. The trouble is, nobody else knows where LSE are. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. It was a megatastically busy week for results in the parish above and beyond the London Stock Exchange groups that we were just discussing. All of these deals were in Exchange Invest daily and in detail. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets at market structure. For the sake of this podcast, we're going to look at some very, very brief edited highlights. Hong Kong exchanges, sensational. Look at that bottom line. Profit attributable to shareholders reached record quarterly highs of 3,840 million Hong Kong dollars. Whatever currency you take that in, that's serious money. And it was 70% higher than Q1 2020, 31% higher than Q4 2020. That put everybody into the shade by the time we recorded this podcast, admittedly ahead of the announcement of ICE and TradeWeb results, which are going to be happening very, very soon after we leave the studio. Nonetheless, it set an incredible benchmark compared to everybody else who were blown into the shade. Most disappointingly, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group, Inc. Yes, they retain revenue of $1.3 billion. Yes, they have operating income of $725 million for Q1. The trouble is, profits for the three months ended March 31st stood at $574.4 million. Now, that's a great number as a standalone. But the trend is your friend, ladies and gentlemen. Those were down from $766.2 million a year earlier. Deals this week. News from Saudi Tadawul. The group has hired advisors for its upcoming IPO. Those include NCB Capital, Citigroup and JP Morgan. Presumably JP Morgan were pitching for the business while they were on a call to Saudi Arabia trying to sell a football league a few weeks back. Elsewhere, investors have begun trading in the shares of the Nigerian exchange group, not on the NGX itself, I must note, but rather on its smaller, unrelated cousin, if that's not too great of an oxymoron, the independent NASD. That's NASD, not anything to do with NASDAQ, but NASD, the Nigerian Automated Securities Dealing System. Following demutualization, NGX have distributed 1,964,115,918 ordinary shares of 50 Kobo each to over 200 dealing members and additional ordinary members who have now become shareholders. Elsewhere, Euronext have this week completed the acquisition of the Borsa Italiana Group. 
Total consideration, 4.444 billion euros. And they note they followed the satisfaction of all condition precedents. Does that mean the Italian push for greater hegemony against the Franco-centric, in management at least, Euronext empire has failed to break through? Also this week, news of a couple of good new markets. The World Bank is backing the Zimbabwe Agricultural Commodities Exchange. And in Ethiopia, an investment bank law may yet herald the creation of a stock exchange. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for other insights during the course of the week while you're listening to this podcast, don't forget you can also drop over to YouTube and catch up on the back issues of our IPO vid. Go to youtube.com, IPO-vid, and you can catch all of the shows that you will also be able to watch as a live stream. Tuesdays, 1300 Eastern Time, New York, or 6 p.m. London, the IPO vid live stream with myself and a cornucopia of special guests coming to you every Tuesday on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If that's not enough for you, don't forget to pick up a copy of my latest book, Victory or Death all about the forthcoming world of fintech and how that's changing in the world around us. Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World is published by DV Books and available via Ingram Worldwide. Cryptoland this week, well, it's been the exciting week of Coinbase. At one stage, it was down 32% from its highs in that hype, which was, gosh, less than a fortnight ago. Stage one blame storming had begun before the stock recovered. It was only therefore down 20-something percent by the time we last looked. And of course, Kraken, Blockchain, Gemini and various others are all looking at the possibility of their crypto IPOs. As I noted in Exchange Invest this week, talking about something that's certainly not been an undiluted success, that's Turkey and crypto. The ban is coming of using cryptocurrencies as a payment method. As an investment method, a lot of investors are this week nursing considerable pain in Turkey after the demise of two exchanges, no less. Thodex, could that be a multi-billion dollar scam? It certainly doesn't look very encouraging as multiple people have been arrested and the CEO appears to have disappeared. Equally, doesn't seem to have been a very happy ending to Vebitcoin. Ultimately, therefore, we had the news later in the week that Turkey is looking to establish a custodian bank for Bitcoin exchanges. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week. One huge headline, SIFMA ICI and the DTCC are leading the effort to shorten the US security settlement cycle to T plus one. They're looking to collaborate with the industry on next steps. How long will that take? T plus seven years, I would guesstimate, is the rough margin. Elsewhere, trading screen, a vendor which has been for sale for a long time after some troubles around its management, to put it mildly, The execution management system provider has been bought by private equity firm Francisco Partners for an undisclosed sum. In regulation, the CFTC were celebrating collecting more than $1 billion in sanctions via tipsters, which is quite sensational as they issued their latest $3 million whistleblower award. In China, the draft of a first law related to futures trading has been sent for primary assessment. That is, of course, coming 31 years after the first Chinese futures exchanges were set up in 1990. 
Elsewhere in China, the anti-IPO approval process is under further investigation by Beijing. People news this week, a couple of interesting developments. We got a new CEO to head up the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange. Ava Mitchell, she'll also be leading the central depository. Elsewhere, over in India, Aaron Rast has been named, with SEBI permission, for a five-year contract as MD and CEO of NCDEX, the National Commodities Derivatives Exchange. One fascinating footnote in the world of people. Just last week, Alex O became the first woman of colour appointed to lead the US SEC's enforcement division. That lasted barely a week as she resigned from the role on Wednesday, citing in public personal reasons. We reported on O's being appointed on the 23rd of April in Exchange Invest 2032. That brought out diversity celebrations. Unfortunately, her personal reasons for leaving the post so rapidly turn out to be a federal judge has reprimanded her and others who were the counsel defending oil giant ExxonMobil in a class action suit brought by Indonesian villagers, which, amongst other things, accused ExxonMobil of being a party to torture and murder. Kinder, gentler politics indeed. Some wags will clearly wonder if Chairman Gary Gensler appointed the unfortunate Ms. O to the role as he felt somebody with a degree of experience in corporate torture might be an ideal enforcement chief. Naturally, this podcast cannot possibly comment. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for joining this, the 92nd Exchange Invest weekly podcast, which will be seen by, or listened to rather, by most of the world on the International Workers' Day of May the 1st, 2021. Have a great week in life and markets. My name is Patrick L. Young. Catch up in Exchange Invest Daily, the water cooler of the bourse business on Monday with all the subscribers. And don't forget to tune in to our live stream Tuesdays, 6 p.m. London time. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.